when I came to Google, at some point, uh, someone said, well, you know, we're not so sure about being able to scan books in Russia because they don't have the same fair use. It's, and I think at this time, I actually was sitting next to Eric Schmidt, um, which of course made me nervous. Because <laughs> uh, he's, you know, also pretty important. And I think Larry turns to Sergey and he goes, well, why don't we just put all the books in a plane and we'll fly them to the US? Wouldn't that work? And then it would be fair use. And we're all like, what? <laughs> a plane? And then the best part was that he goes, well, actually, you know, there's a lot of bugs on planes and we really don't want to have the books, you know, get the bugs on the plane and then, you know, it hurts the bugs. And we're all sitting there like, what? We're bugs? <laughs> why, are we why are we talking about bugs? And Eric Schmidt leans back and he turns to me and he goes, do you see what I have to deal with? This is The Early Years, a show about influential early employees of the most successful companies and their stories that have made a lasting impact. I'm Braden Anderson, and on today's show, how our guest has innovated alongside the founders of Google, Box, Looker, and many more. Have you ever wondered what Google was like in the early 2000s? What it was like to work directly with two of the most innovative people in the world? Before Gmail, Google Drive, Maps, and many other products even existed. Think of the stories. Today we're joined by Jen Grant, who has been at the beginnings of the most successful companies in the world and has been an instrumental member of those teams. And today, you get to hear stories that you will not hear anywhere else. Jen joined Google right after their IPO and was put in charge of marketing for Google Book Search. When I came to Google, it was a month after the IPO, so it was Mm. Uh, a very different time. Um, there were a, everything that we think of as Google today. Uh, most of those products did not exist. So there was Gmail, but it was invite only. So this is like way back yeah, in the what, day. What year was this? So 2004, I believe it was October. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. 2004 in October. Yeah. Um, and so they had just gone IPO. They wrote that cool um, prospectus where the founders, like, I remember reading it and thinking, God, they're so cool. Um, <laughs> so excited. <laughs> and so when I came, there was, you know, there was search, there was ads, they had AdWords, they had AdSense. Those were the big products. They had this invite only Gmail thing. And that may have been almost wow. it for That's so weird to think about. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I can't most... imagine my life without. All, all the other right. Google products that they Calendar, have Calendar, like Google yeah. Drive. Yeah, all yeah. of that. Uh, maps, there wasn't maps. There wasn't anything. Mm. And, uh, and when I first came, it was super overwhelming because you show up and they're like, here's this internal website called MoMA. And it has everything that everybody's working on everywhere. And wow. it's all in code names. So all of a sudden you're like, project this, project that. And um, my favorite was uh, Fuzzy Bunny, Project Fuzzy Bunny. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think it was desktop search was what it really was, but it could have been anything because all I remember it was such yeah. a funny code name. But they had code names for everything and you were sort of overwhelmed. With, oh my God, all this stuff is going on that nobody knows about. Um, and I ended up getting uh, put on Google Book Search, uh, which at the time was called Google Print. 
uh, because I think way back in the day, they thought, well, this is going to be, we're going to scan everything that's in print. So it'll be catalogs and yeah. magazines and newspapers. And so it was this big, big vision, but really it was just books. And uh, I think after, you know, a couple months running marketing for Google print, it became very clear we needed to rename the product. We we went to the London Book Fair and people would come to our booth and say like, oh, you have printers. Like, can I, <laughs> can I print some stuff that I need to like share in my booth? And like, no, yeah. that's not what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fair assumption that these people were making. Yeah, no, it was, it's a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible name. So it was, but it was um, super wild because, uh, so I got put in this product and within a week, so if you if you remember anything about it, um, six months after I started, we announced to the world that we were scanning the world's library books. And we had the Library of Congress and I think Michigan's library. And um, it, we were talking to all around the globe to different, uh, you know, I'm sure, I think we were talking to the French librarian of the National French Library. We were just, it was crazy. They were talking to Russian libraries and uh, about scanning their stuff. And so there was just, a crazy, crazy announcement. Wow. And uh, what, was, what was amazing, I mean, it was amazing in that it was transformative. You could search. I mean, the whole concept was you could go and Google search and you wouldn't be searching all the websites, just all the websites. Mm -hmm. You'd be searching all the books ever wow. written, which is Very like ambitious, mind blowing. But yeah. that's how I think they still think like that. But you know, this is a bigger company, so maybe there's a little less of that. But at the time, everything was like that. We're going to change the world, and here's how we're going to scan all the world's books and make them searchable on Google, which is like crazy. Um, and and they they had, you know, it's funny. There was a lot of rumors like, how are they scanning these books? They literally had stations where people would put a book because these are library books. You can't like cut the binding off and feed it through yeah. a machine. And they were turning. They have little little glove things and they would turn the pages and with a foot pedal they would take a picture and they would turn and they would take a picture and turn and take a picture and so it was this like crazy thing holy cow <laughs> literally you know sitting next to i think it was michigan state university's library with this warehouse and they'd bring the books in and then they'd scan take these pictures and then put them on a cart and put them back it was it wow was, crazy. And then the technology was all around OCR. So it was the opti uh, optical character recognition. And then they okay. would flatten the page through technology so that you couldn't tell that it was a rounded book. And so Jeez. then all the pages would be flattened. So it was crazy. But one of the, one of the funny stories, <laughs> I could talk forever. The yeah. funniest story. So I, I get put in this product and I'm so excited. You know, I'm a product manager at Google. This is the best job ever. And um, I think I was three weeks in and I'm in a meeting and um, one of the gals who ran operations said, well, you know, um, we're likely going to be sued. So, you know, we need to make sure <laughs> that we really have our marketing story good to go. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and and the, whole, uh, the whole thing was the, they knew that the publishers would be uncomfortable with this. Yeah. And they had very much done the research into this is fair use, this is transformative, no book, no words on a book will be shown. But in order to search the books, in order to be able to search all the words in the books, you have to have it in the index. 
so that was the sort of um, now and 11 years later the lawsuit they did win but it was 11 years later. Google won or the publishers won? Did finally win the lawsuit. And so, but by then they'd run out of energy for the whole thing. So I'm not actually sure if they're scanning books. <laughs> so it's like this wonderful, wonderful thing. And it just killed yeah. by the legal system. Because those are uh, my questions. I was really curious, like, is that legal? Because if I yeah. have written a book, now you're just giving it away for free is almost how it feels. Is that what the yeah. thought process was? That was the messaging that the Authors Guild and the Publishers Association put out there. And so yeah. my job as the head of marketing was to explain it, which was, there's no, there's a, uh, we will only show around a sentence in the search results. So if someone searches for a sentence, it'll show like, here are three parts of this book where that word is mentioned. Um, yeah. And so the fair use argument is there's a couple of different things in fair use that are just a part of US law. And one of them is transformative. So is this transformative? Yes, it is. So you can search the content of all the books in the world, very much transformative. Yeah. And then the other argument was, we're not actually showing any of the book. It's just uh, these snippets. And then the, the real, in the end, gotcha. the real sort of positioning that finally got people to understand is when we started talking about the scope and saying, you know, if you took all the books in the world and you said, how many are in the public domain, which, cause they're a fair, like Shakespeare is in the public domain. And that's maybe about 10% of the books. That's it. And it's very small. And then if you say, oh, and how many of these books are in print and being sold and making money for someone? It's also about 10, 15, 20%. Really? So, so our whole, when we finally really got the messaging right, we would talk about the 70% of books. No one's making money on it. No one can search it. No one can find it. It's not in the public domain. Like, let's search those books. There's got to be fantastic things in there that people will discover and it'll be amazing yeah. and we'll, you know, cure the world's ills. This <laughs> <laughs> is this wonderful, wonderful. That's what Google thing. does. Exactly. Yeah. And they always told a story that the, that they, it was Marissa and Larry and they were sitting at a piano with one of those um, piano tempo, I forget what they're called, those tempo things that the piano, yeah. the click, click, click. And Marissa sat down and said, I think we can do this. And they set the little the ticker and they were turning pages to the rhythm to see how fast it would take you to scan a book. Oh, man. Like, crazy, crazy, like, like crazy yeah. and innovative and crazy all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like who That's would amazing. do that? Yeah, seriously. But they did. So, and I'm curious, is in your role as the head of marketing then, like obviously yeah. you were controlling the messaging, but did you, were you involved in the lawsuit? Yes, yes, it was, it was so crazy. So we had known, you know, we, we were prepared. We had, we had very much, you know, the legal team worked side by side with me. We were trying to get out stories and explain like, why is this fair use? And so then the lawsuits happened and uh, nevertheless, everybody freaked out. So they took my team, there was about five or six of us, sort of product, BD, me, um, head of engineering and the operations folks. And they put us in a room that was right next to where Larry and Sergey had their offices. So they had these two offices and then they had a little station in front of it where all the EAs would sort of deal with all their schedules and all the things yeah. that they had to do. So it was this weird little office that they sort of put us in because I guess the idea was at any time Larry or Sergey could 
walk in and ask us how we're solving this problem. Holy cow. It's a little stressful. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. So we just stayed, you know, it was the war room. We stayed in the war room and, um, and, and we had meetings with Larry and Sergey. They'd come in and um, one of my favorites was because I'm in the room all day, I was sitting in there and we were going to have a meeting in about, you know, it was maybe like 10 minutes or something. Um, so I was prepping for the meeting and Larry came in and sat down and they're, they're um, just the two of you. It was just the two of us. Okay. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Like, oh my God. <laughs> what do I say to this guy? <laughs> he's like, and he's not, you know, um, he's, he, he's just a really interesting human being. And so I, I was sitting there like, okay, I should say something. And I remembered that he and Sergey, they bought, they bought a lot of toys uh, right after the IPO. They, they bought, they had like rollerblades and then they had these jumping stilts um, that like people at Burning Man, you know, it was like, there's a lot of stuff like that, that they would, and they'd kind of have them laying around there near the offices and they would, I guess, go out and like play with them and then come back in when they needed a break or something. And so I thought, oh, I'll I'll ask him about the jumping stilts um, because it was, coming up on my husband's birthday and I was like oh I'll ask him you know if he likes them <laughs> something like that and so I said oh you know it's my husband's birthday soon and I was thinking about getting him jumping stilts how do you like them and he goes oh no 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 oh no you should get him a teapot <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> how do you respond to that <laughs> Oh, okay. A teapot sounds nice. And I didn't know, like, like, was he joking? He's very straight faced. Like he could very well have been joking and just not showing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just sat there going, tea. <laughs> and then luckily other people came in the room and we started the meeting and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> He's probably really upset you didn't laugh at his joke. I know. Well, that's the thing. I was like, okay, if I laugh, but then if he was serious, then I'll have to say, no, no, yeah. but I really like tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so silly. An interaction oh, that most crazy. people don't even have to think about. You, yeah, you experienced. No. They, they are very, very interesting guys. Even before the lawsuits happened, we did, it was, again, this is like my third or fourth week at Google. And they said, oh yeah, Larry and Sergey are coming to this meeting and you can present to them what we're gonna do in the next six months to announce the library project. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna be presenting to the wow. Google. And I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal at all. And I think it's because a number of people on the team had been there for years and years. So they were, it wasn't like, you know, the guys that just IPO Google. It was like, yeah, the founders that I've been working with for a couple of years. So they were, felt more casual. And yeah. so we had this meeting and I, you know, I presented my stuff and we're going to talk to all the publishers and make sure everybody knows. And, you know, we were going to pre-brief people before the announcement, blah, blah, blah. And so I can't remember which is which, but I think Sergey was standing by the door and he was flipping open and close the shutters, kind of like OCD, like flip, flip, flipping them open and closed. Like, what is he doing? And then Larry sort of slouches back in his chair, like really slumps in. And he puts his hand on the table and he goes, yeah, you guys just need to chill out. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it'll be 
fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I think, I think you're just, you're just too much. Like, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. This is like your presentation of a lifetime. And he's just like, everyone relax. It's just chill out. Like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and Holy probably in cow. the end it was, but it was such, so interesting. They're really, really, I mean, brilliant, crazy, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a, a decent amount of, like, maybe set the stage for me a little bit. How big was Google yeah. when you joined? I know that it's post IPO. Oh, yeah. Like, how big was it when you got there? How big was it when you left? And like, yeah. so does that mean you had a lot of interaction with the founders? Yeah, it was. So it was about 1500 people in the US when I started. And it was about 15,000 when I left. So it was like, this what? enormous growth period. Just in the US. I think it maybe was about double that if you take globally. So, Holy cow. And, and I also think it's part of the reason why I was in enough meetings with them that I have stories <laughs> is, <laughs> is that in product marketing, we were leading these product areas. So we would, it would be a product marketer and a product manager and they were constant, you know, we were constantly presenting to them. We might need to name a product. We might need to um, say, here's the launch. Here's the functionality we're going to do. And so the product managers were, certainly leading on the product side, but there was always a product marketer to be like, and here's how we're going to do the messaging, you know, and yeah. yay, that kind of thing. And we're going to name it. <laughs> yeah. So we, so there were many meetings where we would go in and we'd present. And um, so we got to see kind of how they interact. So like I was saying, we have these, I think they called them GPS, global product strategy meetings. And we would all go in the room and we present sort of state of the product. And this particular one was led by the person who's running the operations, this brilliant woman. Um, and she's the one, you know, figuring out like how to scan the books, like how that operationally will take place. And so she's presenting all about, this was when we were talking about the, the Russian library and in discussions with them and how would we do that. And then there's of course a legal conversation of, well, copyright is different in Russia and it's different in France and it's different in all these countries. And, there was sort of this moment where, and I think this often happens. So if you're leading a meeting, you have to keep it on track. Um, but there can happen the moment when Larry or Sergey will sort of veer off into a crazy conversation. And then as the leader of the meeting, you're sort of like, and back to the topic <laughs> at hand. <laughs> yeah. How do I get them back? It's, and I think at this time, I actually was sitting next to Eric Schmidt. Um, which of course made me nervous because <laughs> uh, he's, you know, also pretty important. Yeah. And at some point uh, someone said, well, you know, we're not so sure about being able to scan books in Russia because they don't have the same fair use uh, in their copyright there. You know, we would only be able to scan the public domain books. And I think Larry turns to Sergey and he goes, well, why don't we just put all the books in a plane and we'll fly them to the U S wouldn't that work? And then it would be fair use. And we're all like, what? <laughs> a plane? And then the best part was that he goes, well, actually, you know, there's a lot of bugs on planes. And we really don't want to have the books, you know, get the bugs on the plane. And then, you know, it hurts the books. And we're all sitting there like, what? We're uh bugs? <laughs> why, are we why are we talking about bugs? And Eric Schmidt leans back and he turns to me and he goes, do you see what I have to deal with? 
uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Holy cow. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, There's lots of funny, th- I mean, they're just such interesting guys and the way their brains work, they're all yeah. over the place and then back again and Possibly uh, finding so solutions, though. So much fun. Yeah. It's how you brainstorm. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's right. You go all the way to crazy land and then you're like, yeah, planes, <laughs> bugs, too many bugs in planes. Can't do that. <laughs> Can't do it. No, that's the reason why. That's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. Oh, so much fun. Google sounds like it was a blast. It was. It, like it was. And I think blast. it was also the early stages. It was like still like crazy ideas and not as much process and uh yeah. so i was lucky to be there it was so much fun yeah that's that's amazing it sounds like a lot of fun it sounds like yeah. a, a great learning experience but also just a fun experience yeah um, to be a part of such awesome growth so yeah I'd love to see that um at some point though you leave google yeah and join a pretty early startup called box um yeah. and for those that don't know box is my understanding is basically the b2b version of dropbox is that yeah. fair that's fair. That's okay. Fair. Although Box was first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So you yeah. joined Box how early? And tell me a little it bit more was, about that. Yeah, it was about uh, 2008. So it was near the end. It was like November of 2008. I had done four years at, at Google and was like, okay, you know, this is my chance yeah. uh, to go be head of marketing, VP of marketing at this small company. And, uh, I had a really good friend, Karen, who said, you've got to get in here. This is a great company. She introduced me to Aaron and, you know, I, he, he, he was so full of energy and so charismatic. And I remember asking him like, tell me your strategy. And he sort of went, la, 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 la. And he just, when he said all these things and I, and I, he finished it and I was like, okay. And <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but okay, you're cool. I'm going to run with it. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. And I remember uh, uh, the second interview, he was like, let's go on a walk. And I was like, okay. Um, Because at this time, then Karen came back to me and she said, it's okay. He he just needs your help articulating his strategy. He does have one, I promise. Yeah. So we were going on a walk and he's like, hang on, hang on. You got to slow down. I'm asthmatic. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, later on, it's funny. uh, I remember him... um, much, much later when Box was very big and we had this user conference, he did a Gungam style dance to come out for his key- keynote. So he comes out and he starts doing the dance, doing the dance, and then he stops and he puts his hand on the podium and he gets out his inhaler and he's like, hang on! And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he just takes a couple hits. Oh my goodness, that's so good. He's such a character, but yeah, yeah. And, and Box, so you... <laughs> Because how old was Aaron when you joined? Like how? So first of all, how yeah. big were they? Like what? What it was about thirty? It's about thirty people, I think. Holy cow! People, yeah, it was pretty small. There was an engineering team. Uh, there was like one or two marketers, an intern, a couple of BD people, and then we had a, a sales team upstairs. So it was a it was a nice small team, and it was it was fun. <laughs> and Aaron was what like early twenties, right? Yeah, he might just have been twenty two. I think there was, there were articles about when they started box, which was like one or two years before I started where it was like, they, they were under 21. They couldn't even drink (laughs) (laughs) and they'd all dropped out of school and they were in the, 
it was like the garage of Aaron's uncle and you know they had the whole story and they had pictures of their laundry all over the place and like crazy crazy stuff That's so, so luckily awesome. I missed all that part <laughs> a nice office on Sherman Avenue in um Cal near California Avenue in Palo Alto it was a it was a cute little office it was really nice we we had meetings in the Starbucks because the we kind of grew out of it but it was it was great that's awesome that's so yeah. great well I'm curious what it was like working for a founder CEO that was that young were, yeah were there was it fine or were there some pros and cons that came <laughs> along with that I imagine definitely pros and a few cons I think that the on the pro side Aaron didn't let reality get in the way <laughs> of his ideas so like he he would have these in just huge crazy ideas which actually helped us all kind of get out of our own you know set ways of thinking oh you can't do that you can't do this you can't do that uh and then uh, i mean the best example is the billboard the box billboard because it was 2008 going to 2009 there was a full-on recession we were all nervous like we certainly yeah. weren't going to grow during that time and aaron comes running into the office and he says we've got to get a billboard we were like, what are you talking about? Like, we're, we're tiny. <laughs> what are, how are you going to afford a billboard? And he's like, I just found out you can get a billboard for 8,000 a month. Let's put the box logo on the billboard and there'll be like a halo around it. And that's what we'll do. <laughs> like, well, maybe we should say something else on the billboard in addition to the logo. Yeah. Like what we do would be step one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but what was funny about it is I think never would I have said in 2009 in a tiny company that's like 30 plus people that we should pay for a billboard. I would never have done that because it just isn't, it's crazy. Yeah. But because of the recession, billboards were super cheap and they were trying to get something on the billboard. Mm. And so we ended up having this whole company brainstorm where people were, throwing out just crazy ideas and one of my, one of the best ideas that we never did but i'm super glad that we did design a billboard that looked like this and then said no we're not going to put that up uh, was share poo <laughs> okay <laughs> because our biggest competitor at the time was sharepoint and we wanted to make the case that like sharepoint sucks and box is awesome uh, and so we had all these great ideas and that was the one that we were like, yeah, let's, let's have a share poo build. <laughs> and we'll put a little poo on it. <laughs> oh my goodness. No. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible idea. But we did end up putting it on a t-shirt. We, we went to, um, there was a conference that used to be called Social Enterprise Software or something like that. And uh, we made a bunch of t-shirts and one version of the t-shirt had share poo on the front. And uh, we brought them all and we were so excited. And then we felt bad because SharePoint, the team, had a booth like pretty near us. And so we put it underneath the, um, the counter because we, we felt bad yeah. that we made the SharePoint t-shirt. And then we did give it away to like one or two people who, who were like our special friend. You can have a SharePoint t-shirt. Yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> Not many people have this one. Yeah. Yeah. I still have awesome. mine. I kept it. It's definitely classic. <laughs> Probably Somewhere a good use of some EQ on that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're like, yeah, no. Yeah, what we ended up going with was much better. It was box versus SharePoint. Sharing should be simple, which was sort of our yeah. first foray, you know, into some good marketing positioning. 
Yeah. So, yeah. No, that was so much fun. Oh, and That's that was so the cool. same conference where we had worked really, really, really hard with Aaron on doing the presentation because he got a breakout session and it was a 45 minute presentation and we had this lovely PowerPoint slides and we had practiced with him and, you know, like, oh, here's data from Gartner and all the, you know, the typical stuff you would do in a presentation. Sure. And Aaron's biggest problem is he talks too fast and he doesn't really breathe. You don't know when he breathes because he never stops talking at the time. He's much better now. So we're all, so uh, Amy, who is uh, product marketing and I were sitting in the back and we were like, yes, he's ready, he's gonna be great. So he starts in on the presentation and he's going so fast. And we're looking at our watches going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He's gonna finish this presentation in 15 minutes and we're gonna have 30 minutes to fill. And he does, and we're in the back like, slow down. Yeah. Trying to like, not, you know, make him crazy but like just talk slower slow down take a breath like pause anything he does it he just whips through the whole thing he finishes it and then i think at this moment he realizes he's got 30 more minutes to fill <laughs> and he's like out of content and so he pauses and he goes okay and then he walks around there happened to be like a table you know if there had been um like a panel there was like a table that you could sit yeah. at that he was standing he comes around the front of the table and he hops on the table and he and he goes so what do you guys think <laughs> <laughs> we're in the back going oh my god oh this my is gonna goodness. be a long 30 minutes <laughs> but luckily luckily people ask questions and he you know, he had, of course, he has always has something to say, so he saved it, but it was crazy. And in the end, uh, I had a whole conversation with him where I said, Aaron, the problem is if you talk that fast, people's brains can't keep up with all of the words that are coming at them. Yeah. So you have to like pause and just accept the fact that this is where everyone else's brains catches up to what you just said. <laughs> And then you can go on. He's great at it now, though. If you've ever seen him keynote, he is a fantastic. He's so charismatic. He's so funny. He tells lots of great jokes, and then he gets his points across, and he pauses now. So we had, we, you know, after we did that billboard, we were all very enthusiastic about just, like, thinking outside the box. Like, what could we do that's crazy? And so we would have these just so much fun get the get a couple of marketing folks usually it was me and amy white and uh aaron and maybe some other people and we'd say okay we're announcing such and so product thing and i think this one was we had an integration with google docs and we we're really excited about it because google docs is amazing yeah. and box and google docs is like a match made in heaven so we, we said okay let's do a video what will the video be about how will it work and aaron goes sock puppets we were like i love sock puppets what do you mean and so we started yeah like you know and there's one sock puppet talking and i was like i love puppets we can do this and then he takes his shoes off he pulls his socks off and he oh. drops down underneath the table and he starts doing it with his hands and he's like yeah like i'm google docs and i love box and i'm box and google docs is amazing <laughs> we should get together and integrate <laughs> And we just sat there and cried. It was so funny. Oh my goodness. And Amy was like, Do, should I tell him to put his socks back on? <laughs> <laughs> just laughed. So much fun. We ended up making a different video, but man, there was a moment there where we thought about making you a guys were, video. 
seriously considering it. Seriously, yeah, we always like went out to the outer rim of crazy before we kind of reeled ourselves back into something a little more normal. <laughs> well, that's oh, actually fun. a question that I've got for you because it yeah. seems like this is kind of a <laughs> consistent in your career with just working with individuals that maybe have some unbelievable ideas, but yeah. maybe a little crazy. Yeah. How do you help? <laughs> How do you help rein them in? How do you work under those conditions and like validate the craziness because there could be some potential? Yeah. And also it's like, they're your boss. Like, right. <laughs> how, do you, how do you manage that? Cause that's a big challenge. Yeah, it is. And it's super important in the, in a company like that to be able to say like, okay, here's what about this idea that works. And, and then we'll massage this other part of it because that yeah. part we won't do. But that yeah. was, in, it was typically, um, I even did that with Larry and Sergey once, um, that when we were renaming Google Print to Google Book Search, I did a presentation on Google Book Search. And at the end of it, I think it was Larry got angry and he was like, it should be Google Card Catalog. And I was like, and I was so shocked at his, that he was like, Card Catalog, and it's such a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> that I that I said something dumb. I was like, well, you know, librarians don't actually use card catalogs anymore, which is like the stupidest comment anyone could say. Like, <laughs> what? What came out of my mouth? I don't know what yeah. that was. Instead of saying like, well, actually, book search is more what we're doing. And he was like, no, card catalog needs to be the name. We're, this is where it's going to be the name, and I want it done like as soon as possible. And he left the room. It's <laughs> like. Uh, what am yeah. I gonna do? I have to rename this product to Google Card Catalog, and it's terrible. And the best part was Susan Wojcicki was in the room because she was uh, she headed all this sort of content stuff, and so she took me outside. And we were talking, and she's like, "It's okay, I'll talk to him." <laughs> <laughs> I think he just wants us to use that analogy more often. <laughs> okay and then in the end so we're standing there and I'm like pale and like oh my god what just happened and Larry came over to us and he was because it was like we kind of left the room and he went out one door we went out the other and he came around and he was like it's okay it's fine book, book search is fine it's fine just we just need to say card catalog a lot okay so we went <laughs> and I like rewrote our whole website and I was like card catalog card catalog card catalog wherever I can say it I'm gonna yeah that's so good. Why but, was he so set on card catalog? Well, so that's the thing. He had a point. His point was, you are not reading the book. That was the point. Gotcha. Was by saying Google Books search, just adding the search may not be strong enough to get across the point that we are not giving away books. So, so it's a legal saying, standpoint. It was. It was like, we should say card catalog so that people would... You know, he's not wrong, actually. It's like the, yeah. the when you have analogies like that, then people go, oh, I see. It's like a card catalog, which is kind of like search, which is yeah. not the actual book. You take the little card catalog and you go find your book with the yep. decimal system. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, he was not wrong. It wasn't a very good name, but, it, you know, it, it was. It, and, and the same things would happen with Aaron. He would get really excited about stuff and have these crazy ideas like sock puppets and shampoo and, you know, and we would all get into it too, because it was so much fun. Uh, yeah. And then, but there was always something in what he said that if you realize the point behind it, there was a lot of really goodness in there. Like the billboard with the box logo, not such a good idea, but like 
a billboard in 2009, everyone was like, what is this company with the billboard? Yeah. They must be way bigger than all these other startups that are going out of business because it's the middle of a recession. And so yeah. there was this, like, there's, there's always merit. goodness in the crazy ideas. So that's basically how I've handled it, is you got to find the thing in the crazy ideas that, that you can agree with. And you can say, yeah. actually, that's a really good point. Let me tweak a little bit and, yeah. and put my own spin on it. And I think it'll be better. And, you know, usually if you're working with good people, that, that just makes a great collaboration. So one of the things we had at Box, which I dearly, dearly loved, and when the company got so big uh, that we stopped doing them quite the same way, I was, we were all, all of the, old, the, the early Boxers were devastated. Um, but we had this Friday lunch um, and we would all get together over Friday lunch. And uh, there was this one guy who was super funny, comedian, wannabe, uh, actually could have been a comedian. Um, and he would like introduce all the new people and he would usually make up at least one thing about them that was outrageous and we would all laugh and they would <laughs> be included in, in the box family and Aaron would often present and he would, sometimes he would be like, really like, this is how we're going to win. And you know, all of that it was super exciting. And sometimes crazy things would happen. And there's two, two times where, oh my God, one of them was someone one of the employees, I can't remember if they just stood up and said it or if somehow we got on the topic, said they did not believe that he could jump that high uh, because he had said something. And so he's like, you don't believe it? And so then he gets the table out, he puts the chairs on top of it, and he goes running across the cafeteria and he leaps over this table and I'm in like, oh my God, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> he made it. <laughs> You didn't need to prove that. <laughs> that we would have been fine if you hadn't yeah. proven how high you can jump. Oh my and then, goodness. And then the second time, I think was even earlier when we were at the, the Sherman office. And again, I don't remember how it came up, um, but they said, let's have a race. Because I think maybe Aaron, so Aaron, if you've ever seen a picture of him, is very skinny. Uh, so he doesn't look like he's working out all the time. And I think there was at least one sales rep who was super buff and like worked out a lot. And I think they were talking and Aaron was like, I may be skinny, but I'm fast. And the other guy was like, prove it. <laughs> so in the middle of the day, a bunch of everybody goes out to watch. And there was like a handful of mostly the sales reps and Aaron go out to race in the street in front of the office. Oh my so, goodness. You know, we're all like crowding, like, oh my God, they're going to race. And so, and so they, they do, they race. It's short. They get to the end and they're almost all together. And Aaron like pitches over the, the final finish line, goes flying across the pavement and he, he gashes his whole <gasps> leg. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> So, but he wins because he <laughs> flew across the finish line. <laughs> like if he hadn't fallen, he wouldn't have flown. So everyone's like, he did that to win. <laughs> and then he was so funny. He sat at his desk. I think he was super proud. And he had this huge gash in his leg and he just sort of stuck his leg out there. He's like, yeah, it needs to air out a little bit. <laughs> so that everybody could see his like huge gash. <laughs> Appreciate like how yeah. fast he is. <laughs> It's his battle wound that he's got to show his, off. It's exactly, it was his battle wound. You know, we could all go, wow, you really hurt yourself. Oh Does it my hurt? goodness. Oh no. Yeah, you okay? 
it's fine. I'm clearly the fastest and nothing else matters. (laughs) Oh, Jen, that is too good. That is awesome. It was such a joy to work with Aaron. It's so much fun. (laughs) It sounds like it. Two two great companies in a row. Yeah. How yeah. big was Box before you you left? They so you started in there like thirty employees. What did they get up to? About we were about to a thousand employees. It was right before the wow. IPO, and I was like, okay, I'm ready for my next thing. Like got this one here, and yeah, uh, yeah but it was it was big. We were in a and we had been th- through three offices, so we were in the office. If you've ever seen pictures, this was when the office was amazing. That was when we had the double decker slide. So the double decker slide looped twice, which I've never seen a slide do that. Yeah. <laughs> and when we first put it in, everyone of course wanted to go on the slide and they and we had to sign a little waiver. So they, the office manager was like, everyone has to sign a waiver to go down the slide. Um, sure. And it was fun, you know, my kids would go down it. And there was a guy uh, in our, on our sales team who is like seven feet tall. And <laughs> I remember being at the bottom when he went down the slide and the whole thing went like waved back and forth, like chunk, chunk, chunk. And he came out the bottom and he goes, yeah, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then the next time this slide um, was such a hoot is later in Box's history when we were starting to think about the IPO, the CEO of the NASDAQ was visiting and I, I think I had met with them and then I had left the room and the finance and investing team were meeting with them. And then they came out and I don't remember why I was there. And um, the, the CEO said, hey, I want to go down the slide. And I was like, oh my God, the CEO of the NASDAQ is going to go down our slide. This is crazy. <laughs> so, the, so Aaron's like, okay. And then he goes, but I've never been down it. Like, All right, now's your time. <laughs> so... So the CEO of NASDAQ goes down the slide, then Aaron goes down the slide. <laughs> so crazy. So here's what's interesting. So you said you leave pre-IPO. Yeah. Yep. Why? You know, by that time, Box had gotten so big that it wasn't, I mean, you can tell by all my stories how fun it was in the beginning. And I think I'd gotten to a point where I was like, okay, this isn't really fun anymore. Mm. <laughs> There's not as much opportunity to be crazy and to sort of, and I, and actually what really got me is um, I was talking to an advisor of mine and I said, well, you know, go through the IPO, be a public CMO. And then, you know, once I go through the IPO, you know, I'm, I can go back to a smaller company. And he's like, you know, once you're a public company, you can't just leave. <laughs> right away you kind of had to stick around and that's when i was like oh yeah i need to go do something more fun <laughs> Makes need to go find a smaller company again i'm much happier at a smaller company so that was why i left it was sad i mean so many good people there but that's the right but thing. that's that's really it's really impressive right like i don't know if a lot of people would have that foresight like having the balance of working hard, building something great, but also like how enjoyable is this for me? I, I don't right. know if a lot of people have that type of perspective. So I think that's very, very wise, you know? Uh, and, yeah. and it's good for me to, to hear that. Uh, I think that's good. <laughs> yeah. um, and so you were there for a few years, then you yeah, was, leave to- I think five, I think it was five years. And then I left to go to years. Elastic. Elastic, okay. Yeah, and yeah, Elastic. So yeah, tell me, tell me about Elastic. Yeah, so Elastic was interesting. It was an open source company, which I had not done before. 
Um, and which means that all around the globe, there were all these developers who were super passionate about and almost cult following passionate about the, the code. And um, there, there were, I think, two moments in Elastic where I was like, this place is crazy. Um, one of them was we, I had, so we needed to brand the company. So it was multiple open source. There's Logstash and Cabana and uh, Elasticsearch. And that wasn't a name of a company. So we were rebranding to Elastic. And so we had to have a new logo and colors and all that stuff. So I went through all the process, worked with agencies. And then uh, they told me that, well, this is an open source company. So you have to get the entire engineering team on board with this new logo. And so I was like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up doing this whole presentation and, and there was lots of, like I met individually with some of the most, more vocal engineers and walked them through the history of how we developed this logo. And it was like, well, we went with this one and then we went that one. We wanted more round and need to be more strong and it really needed to represent this and that. So it was like 20 some odd different images of logos and then how we chose the colors and all this. Because the whole presentation until finally I got to a point where I discovered that the final elastic search image actually looks like a mathematical um, what some people say is one of the first mathematical representations um, when during the plague, they mapped the hotspots of the plague and they sort of put circles around it and it created this sort of image. Wow. And what they realized is the circles, the center of every circle was a water source. It was like a well or something like that. And that was how they wow. realized like, oh, the plague's in the water. You know, like we got to clean the water. Like, oh, this... And it has some name, which I don't remember anymore. But as soon as I found out that the logo that we had picked looked like this mathematical algorithm, I was like, well, and as you know, this is exactly what we intended the whole time. It's this <laughs> algorithm. It's this really important, historically, you know, mathematical visual, visualization. And that's our logo. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> I got them all on board. And I think at that point in time, I was like, yeah, I don't know if open source is my thing. <laughs> when you have to spend hard. that long convincing engineers about a logo, it's, it's, uh, it's a little hard. bit hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was a, you know, good cut. Obviously they did really well. And I hired a bunch of people and they were happy there and what took them to the IPO and um, had a great time. <laughs> so, well, and then that takes you to looker. Um, yeah where again you joined fairly early i've actually spoken with a few of your former looker colleagues yeah. uh, on this podcast and i know looker is has done amazing and feel free to share any stories but the thing i mostly care about is you were there when they got purchased by google yeah and i'm very intrigued what that was like to work for google leave for about 10 years yeah and then get bought out by <laughs> google again back. and go back yeah, it was super interesting. It was um, like at, at first it was like, oh, I know everything about Google, which is not at all true. But that yeah. was my first like, I know Google super well. Uh, this won't be a problem. Um, but I, I do remember when they first did. So we, we got to a point where all the employees were going to the Google office, one of the campuses to uh, have like a day long, lots of presentations from the Google Cloud people. It was sort of the rah-rah. Announcement to employees thing. Okay. And I remember <laughs> driving to the Google campus 
and panicking because it's so big and I couldn't figure out what building and like I kept trying to map it but the map was like well it's over here and I got lost <laughs> just going in circles and I finally called one of the 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 EAs and I was like I can't find this building please help me <laughs> at which point I realized this company is so much bigger than than I yeah. ever have experienced it's big and confusing and there's so many people and this was just one of like the 15 campuses they have in Mountain View. <laughs> yeah, because that's so, when you left, they were like 30,000 employees globally. When yeah. you come back, like uh, what is Google 200, now? 200,000, something crazy. Depends if you count contractors or not. I mean, it's enormous. Uh, so many people. And then, and you know, and really in the whole acquisition process, it was clear like there's so much more process and um, so many more people have to be involved. So I would go to the Google offices and of course they're gorgeous. That that always made everybody excited. Like, oh, these offices <laughs> are so gorgeous. Are they gonna do that to our office in Santa Cruz? That would be amazing. Yes, it would. I hope they do. <laughs> Maybe someday. I'm sure with a pandemic, they're not doing that right now. Yeah, serious. Um, but we would go in and they would say, oh, tell us all about how marketing works at Looker and I would explain all this and that and here's all the people on the team and here's what they do and blah, 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 and do this whole thing. And then usually like, a couple of weeks later, it'd be like, hey, can you come back? There's another group of people <laughs> that also need to know this information. <laughs> we come back, do the same thing, same stuff. Here's how we do things. Here are all the people. This is how it works. This is how we do things. Um, and so it was clear it was such a different place than when I left. And it was so much bigger. And there was a lot more of the you know, bureaucracy of like, well, you have to, you know, talk to the M&A people because they need to understand things. And then you have to talk to the actual marketing people, which eventually we got to talk to the actual marketing people, which we were very <laughs> excited about. Like, oh, you know what we're talking about when we say SQL and MQL and, you know, all the nerdy things that marketing talks about. <laughs> um, so it was fun. And, you know, I did, I meet, I did meet a number of um, great people in Google marketing, Google M&A, really nice people, but it was too big for me. <laughs> Although I was very, very excited. They give you your email address back, your email handle. No kidding. Yeah. They, and so it was like, oh, jgrant at google.com. They turn it on again. Now, the unfortunate thing is it took so long for the Google, the Looker Google acquisition to close that um, I actually left, ended up leaving before. So, was, so the deal was, we did the deal in June of 2019 and I left Looker slash Google in February of 2020, and we still had not integrated. So I never, never got to see my email inbox. Oh no, that was so looking forward to seeing all the email and saying like, "Wow, what was I yeah. doing ten years ago?" I mean, maybe they would have taken away. I don't know if they would have, you know, it was like discovery or so for totally. some legal reason they would get rid of it all. But I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so I never got to see my old email, but. That'd be so fun to go back 10 years yeah. ago and see all of your old what emails. And, and then probably embarrassing, probably like, yeah. well, and actually there was, um, I don't know when this was, maybe 2010, 2011, there was one of the Google book search cases. They depositioned me, which normally they didn't because I was just the marketing person and they were talking to the product people and all that. But I got deposition, so I got to talk to a lawyer about my time at Google book search and whether yeah. we were trying to like make revenue off of these poor authors' books, um, which we really honestly weren't. So it was a very funny deposition because he kept saying like, and as you know, you were trying to make money. And I was like, no, really, I know it's weird, but like we literally believed in the mission. 
it's not about making money. It's about searching the world's books. We hope that it brings more readers to books. It was all yeah. a positive thing. And of course, I'm sure the lawyer was like, grr. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but the thing that they did do is they kept putting emails in front of me. Do you remember sending this email? Do you remember doing this presentation? And I would look at the email and one of them was amazing. I had sent an email I believe it was directly to Sergey, and he had responded. And I can't remember, I don't think the contents of whatever it was I said mattered. But literally, the lawyer put it in front of me, and I was like, oh, I actually sent an email to Sergey, and he responded. Can I keep this? I want to keep this. This is so cool. I had forgotten that, like, I actually had sent an email to Sergey, and he responded. <laughs> and the lawyer was like, no, can't keep it. <laughs> can't have it back there was so oh I was like, oh, that is there was that guy um, and there was this thing and yeah, it was, it was kind of fun in a weird weird way <laughs> that is awesome yeah at least get at least find the joy in, in getting deposed right <laughs> exactly like i don't know it was like a little trip down memory lane <laughs> So Jen, you've actually had a really interesting transition that I think would be cool to talk about. Um, I'm curious what it was like to go from being a CMO to eventually becoming a CEO, which is what you are right now. Yeah. And, and I think being sort of a, a CMO and then going to a CEO, the, the, one of the biggest things, I mean, I'm having a blast and I love it and I love my team and all of that. One of the biggest things that occurred to me somewhere in the middle was I'm astonished that someone who doesn't have that go-to-market experience can just take on the CEO role and somehow figure it wow. out. And then, because it is really complex, especially with all the technology available and like you really do have a lot of data you can look at and you can get confused and, you know, there's so much craziness in all the options you have about how to go to market and sell. And is it freemium? Is it enterprise sales and ABM? And like, there's all this stuff. And so thinking back to, you know, Aaron and um, being in a, being a product innovator and leading a company is so much more difficult now because the whole go-to-market side is hard. And having this moment of like, actually, I am surprised that VCs don't fund more CMOs who are now CEOs. That's so interesting. We bring positioning, messaging, how to build the whole funnel, how to think about growing revenue, like we bring all this stuff with us that is yeah. critically important in an early stage company. <laughs> so I had that whole like, ah, <laughs> it's been such a wild ride. And, and it's interesting because it gives you perspective on, um, especially because I've been at so many different companies and seen different CEOs so that I'm able to kind of, as a CEO go like, actually Aaron's enthusiasm and craziness is infectious. And yeah. like Larry and Sergey's way of like blowing up a problem and like coming up with crazy solutions while crazy is actually helpful. Cause then you're like, oh, there's no limit to this innovation yeah. brainstorm we're having. Like you don't have to stop. So there's just, you know, and then, and then when you get, you know, now that I'm in the CEO seat myself, oh, how can I kind of be that charismatic and be that crazy idea, but also, you know, at Looker, things were very structured and um, data-driven, as you would guess. And so we yeah. were very much like, we know our goals. And, and that was also very comforting and very successful. So there's all these different things yeah. I can take from all the different, you know, 
crazy people that I've worked with <laughs> and pulled together. That's Jen Grant, a key member of the most successful companies in the world. Thanks so much to Jen for sharing her stories. We'd love it if you left a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps us a ton. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Braden Anderson, and this is The Early Years.